they really don't want people to focus on what they're taking out, focus on what you're putting in. And when you focus on what you're putting in, those things will naturally fall to the wayside. And then you can have a different conversation with your kids about why you're making the choices that you're making. Instead of, no, you can't have that, that's bad for you. The conversation becomes, we're going to make this choice because it's more nourishing for us, for our bodies and our brains. Welcome to Tilt Parenting, a podcast featuring interviews and conversations aimed at inspiring, informing, and supporting parents raising differently wired kids. I'm your host, Debbie Reber, and today's episode is all about nutrition, specifically the connection between our child's nutrition and their brain, mood, behavior, and overall health. My guest is nutritionist Jess Sherman, and I love her perspective on this topic, which I know can be overwhelming for many families, because Jess very specifically designed her work to support parents in bringing more nourishment in their children's lives, including or maybe especially those with food sensitivities, picky or aggressive behavior, or those who just can't even sit down to eat. On the homepage of her website, Jess writes, if you have a different vision for your family's health, Than what you're experiencing now, you're in the right place. I know that that describes me, and my hunch is that I am not alone in this. So today, Jess shares with us her ideas around how we can build better physical and mental resilience in our kids by teaching us how to use food as our ally. Jess shares how this resilience means better growth, learning, and mental wellness, as well as reduced symptoms from neurodifferences like ADHD, autism, anxiety, and more. A mom of three and a former teacher, Jess is passionate about the intersection of her work in education, health, and personal development, and she's created a lot of resources to help parents raise their resilient health. And the best part is she shares her knowledge in a way that feels actually doable, no matter what the current state of your family's nutritional health is. So I hope you get a lot out of this episode. Before I get to our conversation, a few quick announcements. First, I have some new podcast supporters I want to thank, Marin Troutman and Charlotte Ritz. Thank you so much for being a part of this community and helping support the production costs for this show. I am so grateful for your help. And if you too get a lot out of Tilt Parenting and would like to make a small monthly contribution to help fund the show, it is really easy to do. Just go to patreon.com slash tiltparenting and sign up. You can pledge $10, 5 or even $2 a month. Again, that's patreon.com slash Tilt Parenting. And now here is my conversation with Jess. Hello, Jess. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Debbie, for having me. It's a pleasure. I'm looking forward to covering this topic you know, I've done over 170 episodes, and I've only really done one in the past that's even explored nutrition. So I'm very interested in hearing your perspective and learning more about your work. So to get started, could you just, you know, introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about your work in the world and your passion for this subject? Yeah, thank you so much. Um, I'm, I'm excited to share this with your community. I I started all of this as a teacher. Um, I was a teacher for a lot of years. And as a teacher, I was trained with kind of alternative teaching methods, experiential education. I was dealing with a lot of exceptional kids, a lot of kids who really needed something different. 
And so, you know, we spent a lot of time in the classroom adjusting things for them and shifting the curriculum and shifting our expectations and shifting the classroom environment and getting them outside and doing all kinds of really cool, wonderful things with them. Um, But even despite that, so many of them were struggling. And I really wanted to learn more about how we could better help kids you know, grow into themselves, really discover who they were. And I was feeling really constricted by by being in the structure of school. And so I left school for what I thought was going to be a short period of time (laughs) um, to study holistic health and nutrition. And then, you know, 10, I guess, 12 years later, uh, I am, you know, I still haven't, I, I didn't go back to the classroom. What I do now is I teach parents and teachers actually too what I found when I left, which was this missing piece of the puzzle, what I consider to be a missing piece of the puzzle that's not talked about that much, but it's this idea that the brain and the body were actually work together as one interconnected ecosystem. Um, and, you know, now when I say that, it kind of sounds obvious, like, of course, it's one body, it works together in the same ecosystem. But, you know, when I looked around, I realized that what I was taught in education and what my the kids I was working with were learning from, you know, the medical community and what I was reading about, typically, the brain and the body are very much addressed separately. And we never really learn how the brain affects the body and how the body affects the brain. And it's that it's not integrated into therapies or into even, you know, the social fabric about how we learn about health and this sort of thing. And so um, that's what I do now is uh, when I became a mom, I realized, you know, I got very, very excited (laughs) when I was learning all of this, very excited because it kind of opened up my mind to this whole new toolbox of ways that we could help kids by improving the health of their body in order to help calm their minds and ease their anxieties and, you know, help them learn and function better. And um, I got really excited. And then I became a mom. And as you know, you know, everything, (laughs) all bets are off when it comes to feeding a family, I realized how ill-equipped we are as parents to, you know, feed our families in this way. So I, I really set my mind to simplifying things for parents. So that's what I do now. I curate all of this information, um, which is really exploding in a very exciting way. But I curate it for parents so that they can leave overwhelm and start to become confident in their choices, mostly around food and feeding, but also in you know lifestyle and how they connect with their kids, how they communicate with their kids and that sort of thing. Well, I think that overwhelm piece is is really such a big part of this. And I'm so glad that you're out there curating this because I know, you know, personally, I'll just say I I've dabbled in nutritional interventions or just even considering our nutrition. But I have, you know, quite honestly, many times just been like, you know what, I, this is I just can't add this on like there's too yeah. many other things that seem more pressing. And, and I do get overwhelmed by the magnitude of of what's available and just how to vet information and and I think that I'm I know that I'm not alone in that. I think it it does feel very daunting. So let's take a step back. I'm I'm curious to know, you know, when you made this decision and decided to kind of shift gears and really dive into the research. What kind of aha moments did you have or or information did you find that really helped you see that connection? between, you know, nutrition and behavior? Like, what's the most 
compelling finding that, that you came across? Um, you know, I, I felt intuitively that there was a hole in how we were uh, helping kids. So, you know, I, when I started this, this was in the sort of mid 2000s, um, when I when I left, and it was really fringy, it was really this concept that you could shift something in the body and actually change behaviors and moods was kind of fringy in in the conventional medical world. Uh, but since there, since then, it has been really, really exciting to see it literally explode. So we're talking, you know, 10 years, maybe close to 15, um, where there's been a kind of acknowledgement that something is missing. And there's been a little bit more, um, more of a crack in, in the thinking to say, huh, maybe we need to think about things a little bit more holistically. So I, I sort of, I was watching this unfold. And then in 2015, this landmark paper came out um, called Nutritional Medicine as Mainstream in Psychiatry. And it was published in The Lancet. And I was like, wow, okay, so, you know, this big medical journal is now publishing, a, it, it wasn't research, it was a consensus paper. So it was like a position statement from a group of researchers and medical doctors and academic authors, and they all kind of came together and outlined the need for psychiatry, which, you know, I know we're not all, we're kind of I mean, this is big medicine for the brain, right, to open itself up to a more holistic framework. And that to me was like, okay, you know, we're at a tipping point where so many kids are struggling with anxiety or aggression or depression or these what are considered kind of brain issues. Um, And there was this acknowledgement that we need to open up and think about how the body affects the brain. And it was building on all of this research on nutrients, but also the gut brain connection. Um, this is, this is why it's overwhelming, right? It's because this is, we're really on the, uh, it, we've known this kind of intuitively for centuries that the brain and the body work together, but they haven't been dealt with together. And now the research on this is just literally exploding. So this is why it's overwhelming to parents to be like, well, what do I actually do? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so and that's on my blog too. People can look up nutritional psychiatry and sort of read read all about that. Um, and then from there, I just got really, really interested in the impact of nutrients and of broad spectrum nutrients on the connection, our connection around food. So what we eat as well as how we eat. So there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of research we could we could dive into. Yeah. I don't know how specific you want to get. We but. could do a week long series together. Um, yeah, I know there's and I'm and I'm just I always try to kind of put myself in my listeners brains, you know, when I'm doing interviews, and I feel like I'm being overwhelmed already with the questions totally. that, I, that people would yeah. want. Well, I, you know, can I just sort of address that for a second? Because yeah. I think we get I think we get overwhelmed when we try to like, pull it apart to be like, okay, what supplement does my kid need? Or what food does my kid need? Or, or what should I take out of the diet? That's super overwhelming. And if we just sort of step back and think big picture and say the role of nutrition when we're dealing with two-e kids or exceptional kids or autistic kids or kids with anxiety or you know whatever label or whatever behavior or struggle or whatever you want to call it they what when we step back we say all we're trying to do is make them healthier right anything that we can do with food that makes your child healthier is worth doing whether that's adding something in or taking something out 
Um, and you've got to start with what's manageable. You really do. And you really need to, this to get, you, you, I, I just want to acknowledge that this is actually exploding really quickly. And in, we live in an age of too much information. Right? Yes. <laughs> so I would just caution parents to be like, you know what? There's little baby steps you can take. <clears throat> you don't have to go whole hog, like deep in and like change everything overnight. Right. Right. Thank you for that. That already feels better. So I guess, you know, even just, I'm curious to know, is it differently wired kids, kids with neuro differences who are kind of magnifying the impact of nutrition? I mean, I'm assuming that nutrition, this connection between brain and body is true for absolutely everyone. But is it, do we see the impact more um, when we're talking about neurologically atypical people? Yeah, I think so. Um, what really helped me understand this be- better is when I started looking at um, kids through the lens of resilience and stress rather than diagnosis or, you know, being different or say whatever, like just all kids, like you say, they're experiencing stress at a different, they're experiencing stress differently. So what we need to do, what we need to work with, what we have to work with is understanding and reducing their stress load and improving their stress tolerance. And we have to do that with every kid and we have to do that with every adult. Like that's, that's just life. (laughs) We need to address our stress and we need to improve our stress tolerance. And yeah, with, with kids who are differently wired and kids with various diagnoses that I wouldn't even call it an imbalance, but that tension between the stress that they have and their stress tolerance has been um, that there's a bit a wider gap there or it's been there for a long time. Um, And so, yeah, they are a bit more, they've got less wiggle room. Mm -hmm. You know, I think of in terms of like filling a glass, if you have the glass of the body and the the water in the glass is, is their stress. Some kids just they're, they're at their limit or their, you know, their, their waters, their glass is full. And so, you know, any little transition in their day or unpredictability in their day, which is, you know, if their glass was less full, then they could tolerate that. They could handle that without having a tantrum. It, it throws them over the edge. So, and, and I, you know, I'm with you in that, like, yeah, you know, kids, kids just, we just want them to be healthy. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I really just want to look underneath diagnoses and look and un- look at their sameness. I mean, we do need to understand their differences and that's important, but also understand that we all can tolerate only so much stress and we all need to feed our stress tolerance. And that's very much related to nutrition, that whole equation. Yeah. And I, I recently did an episode with uh, Dr. John Duffy about raising the new teen in the age of anxiety. And that's, you know, mm-hmm. we talked about just how different and more intense the experience of just daily life is for today's kids and teens. Yeah. And well, and I would add to that. I mean, that's, it's so true. It's, it is, they're, they're working at a different level. And I, I think of it as sort of a perfect storm where they have more stress inputs than ever before. And their stress tolerance is at an all time low. And partly that's because of nutrition. That's what, that's the power of nutrition is because our when I say stress tolerance, I'm talking about, you know, the mechanisms in our body through which we manage stress. So that's very hormonal. It's very much related to neurotransmitters. 
Um, even detoxification comes in there. And if those systems aren't working well, then we have a reduced ability to tolerate stress. Um, and those systems are driven by nutrients. They're driven by nutrition. So the more I think this is why they're finding that, you know, we have quite a few studies now on how, you know, even broad spectrum nutrient supplements or changing the um, changing the macronutrients of a diet. So not particularly taking a specific thing out or adding a specific thing in, but just sort of shifting eating patterns and adding more nourishment in general to the diet helps stabilize moods and reactions and basically what I would call improve stress tolerance. We'll be right back after this quick break. This year, I've been working on becoming more attuned to my body. And so I'm starting to really recognize how periodic spikes in anxiety or disruptions to my routines can seriously throw my whole system off. And as I've been traveling a ton this past month, which is both disruptive and somewhat stressful, I'm especially glad that I have the extra support of Symbiotic Plus, a three-in-one supplement from Ritual with clinically studied prebiotics, probiotics, and a postbiotic to support a balanced gut microbiome. Symbiotic Plus provides fuel to the cells that make up the gut lining to support a healthy gut barrier. And it comes in this very cool minty delayed release capsule, which was specifically designed to help survive the harsh conditions of the upper GI tract for delivery to the colon. The bonus is that the capsules don't need to be refrigerated, so I can easily bring them with me in my carry-on. On a personal level, I love that Ritual is committed to sustainability. They're a female-founded B Corp, meaning they are holding themselves accountable long-term to not only think about their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. There's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for limited time at ritual.com slash tilt. Start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash tilt for 25% off. Hey there, it's Debbie. I love making this show and sharing conversations about how to support our awesome neurodivergent kids. I've seen how even one little insight from an interview can spark a big shift in daily life. But I know that raising complex kids can be messy and lonely. And just when we think we figured it out, something comes up that boots us right back to feeling overwhelmed and stuck. That's why I've poured everything into creating a way for parents like us navigating complex parenting journeys to join together and chart a path that feels positive, hopeful, and doable. It's the brand new Differently Wired Club experience. In the club, you'll get personal support from me and other seasoned parent coaches, six live calls every month where you can connect and get your personal questions answered, the opportunity to learn directly from authors and experts like I have on this show, monthly themes for getting specific and tactical, an exclusive private podcast feed, and the best, most generous community of parents. Seriously, these folks show up for themselves and each other, and that right there is really everything. Because it's a daily reminder that we're not alone. Our kids aren't broken, and we have totally got this. The recently rebooted Differently Wired Club is on a brand new platform with its very own iOS and Android app. It is such a great space. However you learn, whatever your style, no matter the ages, genders, and neurodivergent profile of your children, the Differently Wired Club can help you cultivate the positive shifts you're hoping for. Join us today by going to tiltparenting.com slash club. That's tiltparenting.com slash club. I hope to see you on the inside. 
I'm sure that there are some specific things when you really look at the individual that might help, you know, support them, depending on what's going on in their lives. However, it sounds like there are some kind of general things that many people are just not getting right, or that could be improved upon. So could you share with us what some of those general things are that either whether it's things people are lacking or things people need more of kind of across the board? Yeah, well, that's a that's a really nice way to look at it. When you're shifting diet, like where does where do you start is to reduce the things that are getting in the way of good health and, and focus on improving the things that nourish the body. Um, and this is something and I'll, I'll, I'll talk about some specific things. But this is a big topic, because I think what happens when people start to think about changing a person's diet, a child's diet, they immediately start to think about what needs to go. You know, we got to take out the sugar, we got to take out the additives, we got to take out the dairy, or we got to take out, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. this is the conversation that I'm hearing in general, it focuses kind of on restriction. And that's scary. Like, that is really hard. I'd say that's the number one fear that people come, you know, when they're sort of interested in working with me, they're like, but I don't think I can take anything out of my child's diet. Um, And I think it's a very valid, valid fear. And and it's really not where I start. It's important to consider at some point, because a lot of kids are reacting poorly to foods. But I start with nourishment. I start with focusing on what can we add into the diet to nourish our kids a little bit more. So the very first thing that I have the families that I work with start to think about um, or the skill that I want them to develop is to be able to look at a meal and be able to answer the question, how can I make this more nourishing, you know, without necessarily changing it too much. And that requires a little bit of, you know, understanding of nutrients and different foods that they may not have used before, which I would, you know, also acknowledge is something that we just don't learn as parents. <laughs> you know, you never learn how to use this tool and yet it's so important. So little things as examples would be like putting some more fiber in the cheese sauce for the macaroni and cheese, for example, like putting in some psyllium husk or putting in some smashed sweet potato or um, cauliflower blends really nicely into that. And just sort of random example, but I know a lot of kids really like macaroni and cheese. So, you know, you can take something that's familiar to them and look at it and say, okay, how can we make this a little bit more nutritionally dense by adding to it without shifting it? And, and of course you have really super picky eaters and we can talk about that if you want to, but, uh, but, but that's where I would say would be the focus to say it, instead of, instinctively going to the food restriction piece first let's go to the nourishment piece first Um, and sometimes it doesn't even start with what you're eating sometimes it starts with how you're eating you know can you guys can can the family sit together and a lot of families don't sit together for family meals even once a week twice a week Um, nourishment also has to do with getting them sleeping better you know connecting with them snuggling with them. That's all nourishment too. So when you think of food in this broader context as one of the tools that we use to nourish our kids, I think it, it kind of opens things up a little. As you were describing kind of, how can we put a little fiber into this? Or I was remembering, there's a book that Jessica Seinfeld wrote many, many years ago, 
Deceptively Delicious. I'm sure you're familiar with that book. Yeah, yeah. I remember when that came out, I think my son was three or four or something. And I I was into it for a little while. I'm like, well, I've just made these cupcakes, but really they've got X, Y, and Z in them. Is that kind of the, the thing you're talking about? It could be as simple as that to start just adding some or sneaking in some nutrients? I think it's a starting point. I remember when that book came back out as well, and there was a big backlash against it as well, uh, because because people were, you know, upset with the idea of having, having to like sneak things into their kids. Yeah. So there was like these two camps, you know, um, and I have nothing wrong with sneaking stuff in. I do talk to my kids about the stuff that I'm, you know, quote unquote, sneaking in. Um, but that's where we're at. Like, you, you've got to figure out where your kids are at with all of this, right? Um, my kids, you know, we've been talking about it for, for years about, you know, what the body needs and, and, you know, why I put cauliflower in a sauce and, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, all these weird things. And we laugh about it sometimes too, because sometimes it doesn't turn out so well. Um, and, you know, the kids know that I do what I do and they know why I do what I do. But if you have a, a, a super picky eater, I mean, their body needs these foods and their cells on a cellular level need to learn how to recognize them as well. So if you need to start by, you know, shifting the palate by getting these foods in, in a, a way that's not threatening to them, then that's a great place to start, you know, and some people can't even start with the food. Some people have to start with some supplements and get those in and just get those nutritional bases covered and then start expanding the palate using using different foods. So it really depends on where you're starting from. Are there some signs that parents should be on the lookout for that their child is could really benefit from some nutritional changes in their diets? I mean, I think the the kind of simple things are, well, my child really gets hyper after having sugar or, you know, these kind of broad things. But are there any signs or indicators that a child really uh, needs some support in this area? Yeah, I mean, I think really all children do, mm-hmm. no matter what. I, I, do, I do think they're living in this perfect storm. You know, they've got so much stress to deal with. And our our food is not what it used to be, sadly. So I and, and this is one of the things I tell I tell people when they're starting when they're embarking on this is that, you know, we're not fixing your child. We're not we're not fixing anything. We're not we're just nourishing. We're just nourishing the whole family. And we could all use I call I talk I talk about it as like a two pronged process. We have to clean up and we have to build. And all of us can use a little cleaning up and a little building. So, you know, there are real specific um, nutrients that have been studied. There's been a lot of really interesting study on um, cholesterol, on actually having low cholesterol being being associated with aggression and anger, um, suicidal ideation, that sort of thing. That's really quite compelling. So, you know, there's a lot of in really amazing research on the rate, the connection between copper and zinc, that some kids are, are, are high in copper and low in zinc and, and vice versa. Um, and that can be associated with things like depression and apathy or um, even executive function issues because copper and zinc are both very much involved in the dopamine pathway. And dopamine is the neurotransmitter that's most associated with executive function issues and act that activity of the frontal cortex. Um, so yeah, you could pull it apart and you could get real specific. And I've, I've 
reviewed some of these studies on my blog so people can can go take a look if they're interested. But, you know, really on the, in terms of the broad strokes, I think we can all use a little bit of cleaning up and building. We can all use a little bit more focus on how we're nourishing our bodies because um, it's something that has kind of fallen to the wayside for a lot of us. It's like you eat when you can, you eat what you can <laughs> when you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it, it used to be fast food versus whatever, like fast food was the the negative thing. And not that it's, it still isn't, but I notice so many of these you know, nutrition bars and, you know, food products that are sold at, at places like Whole Foods or, you know, places that are, have a good reputation and they're easy, right? It's easy to eat a bar and you think it's really nutritious, but I, it's still steering us away from eating what I imagine are, are better foods for us. Well, I mean, eating, eating the way we should be eating for, for many of us requires like a total overhaul in, in our lifestyle, right? Because you have to make food, you have to make time for it. You have to find money for it. (laughs) You have to make space for it. And it's been really crowded out in our busy lives for a lot of us. So, you know, sometimes it's just sort of takes a rejigging. People sort of get to a crisis point. They're like, okay, we just need to rejig. We just need to simplify. And that's one of the things I support is just general simplification of life and getting back to the basics. I mean, really what I'm teaching parents is just getting back to the basics of healthy connecting, you know, and healthy eating and healthy living. Um, But sadly, it's sort of that that kind of needs to be a conscious move for a lot of us because things just the default is to just get busier and busier and busier and busier. Right. You know, and so while you're doing that, the bars can be really helpful, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. because they do have some nutrition in them. They're not the best, but, you know, we we can only do what we can do uh, when it comes to to changing something so fundamental as diet, right? So, you know, a little tip would be if you're going to choose a bar because you know you have to nourish your child and you've got to eat on the go or what have you, take a look at the sugar content um, and try to get one that is lower in sugar and then look at what the sweetener ingredient is as well. And at least choose one that has a, a real sweetener, like a, like cane sugar, for example, versus high fructose corn syrup. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that's a step forward. If you can pick one that is higher in fiber, I think that one of the very first things we talk about in nourishment with with the, the group that I work with is is fiber, getting more fiber into our kids, aiming for, you know, 25 grams or so of fiber a day, which once you start looking at product labels, you, you realize how little fiber we eat. Mm-hmm. Um, so choosing a bar that's higher in fiber and lower in sugar is a great way to start and has, you know, real ingredients versus you know, processed ingredients. Are there any kind of, you know, sugar, obviously, is one of them or high fructose corn syrup? Are there any other bigger culprits or things that we really want to pay attention to the amount our our kids are taking in? You know, we hear about food dyes, like any kind of red flags when when families come in to see you that you do want them to address and, and work on getting out of their kids system? Well, uh, you know, again, we want to look at what they're eating through the lens of nourishment. So I, I get them to ask the question when they're choosing something, is this nourishing? Is this nourishing my child? Our kids need lots of premium fuel. They're just, they're growing. They're growing fast, you know, and they're, they're very nutrient hungry. So is this food going to nourish them, not just fill them up? 
And then we can look at, you know, something like sugar. Is that nourishing them? No, not really. Not only is it not nourishing them, but sugar has been shown to to enhance nutritional deficiencies by excrete by helping the body excrete nutrients as well. So a high sugar diet tends to be also low in vitamin C and calcium and magnesium because uh, sugar helps the body deplete those things. Uh, so and then chemicals would be the other. If there were like two like low hanging fruit things that I think give you big bang for your buck, if you're going to focus on taking something out, it would be reducing the sugar and reducing the chemicals because again, they're not nourishing, they're not helping the project of what we're trying to do. But you know, I say that sort of cautiously, because I really don't want people to focus on what they're taking out, focus on what you're putting in. And when you focus on what you're putting in, those things will naturally fall to the wayside. And then you can have a different conversation with your kids about why you're making the choices that you're making. You, instead of, no, you can't have that, that's bad for you. The conversation becomes, we're going to make this choice because it's more nourishing for us, for our bodies and our brains. Yeah. So it's that lens shift of food as fuel. Yeah. And, and that doesn't mean that we can't have food to enjoy or for dessert sometimes and that kind of thing. But it's more, it sounds like it's just being conscious of what we're putting in our bodies. It is. It's starting to make the connection between what we're fueling our bodies with and how we're feeling, right? And depending on the age of the child, that's going to be a different conversation for, you know, with a two-year-old is going to be a different conversation than with a, you know, 15-year-old. But ultimately, I think that's the piece of that conversation that we no longer really, we don't learn about, first of all, as parents. And so we, we don't, we're not equipped to teach it to our kids so that they can make the connection between what they're fueling their body with and, and how they're feeling. We'll be right back after this quick break. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. <laughs> well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co., and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, You'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. 
Let's talk about for parents who are listening and who want to start implementing changes, like maybe this is really resonating with them. It sounds like, you know, you just talked about how you would talk to a two-year-old versus a, a 15-year-old. So this is like a lifelong project. And this is an important part of our work as parents. How do we go about making changes if we've already established, you know, what if what if what we're discussing, even just introducing more nutrients feels like a pretty radical change from what we've been doing for many years. How do we start this conversation with our kids? How do we start making these changes? Well, I think it starts with some confidence. You have to feel confident that what you're doing matters because our, our kids are little sponges, right? And, and they will, they will, they're watching us all the time and they will sense when, if we, if we're like, we're going to make this change because somebody told me that I need to do this it's not going to fly as much as if you come at it with a sense of confidence and say, guys, we need to nourish ourselves because we want to function better because we've got goals and we've got, you know, ideas we want to build on and we want to, you know, feel good in our day. So, so you need to build that confidence first off. Um, And then, and maybe even that means doing some things for yourself as a parent first and starting to feel that shift in your health and in your energy and in, you know, maybe your brain fog lifts and maybe your anxiety, you know, shifts and things like that. If you can feel that in your body, that is, that's a great perspective to bring to your kids. Um, So sometimes that's, that's the first thing. Um, And the the second thing is also have, if there are two parents involved, have a good conversation with each other and really create a plan and stick to it. Because when two parents present themselves as a unified front, things work a lot better. (laughs) Right. Um, And consider what's, what's doable, consider what's doable. So I, I break it down in my work, in my book and in, in, on my website, you'll read about it too. I break it down into four areas that we need to explore, but even if, you know, you choose one of them and just like one strategy within one of them, whatever, whatever feels doable um, and just get used to it. And, and, you know, just start experimenting with it and start start working with it. So it, it really doesn't have to be an all or nothing thing. Anything that you can do to improve what's coming into your kids will help them get healthier. And when they get healthier in their bodies, they will function better and they will feel better. Right, as we all do. And then part of what we can do is also help make that connection for them, right? Like talk about that. Oh, did you notice... I noticed mm-hmm. that you seemed to sleep better t- last night, or I noticed that you seemed a little calmer. Like, I think that's mm-hmm. an important part of our role too, right? Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And understanding that like, not everybody understands this perspective. You know, I want to stress again, it's a fairly new way of thinking about the brain, that it has anything at all to do with the body, that something in the body, like a nutritional deficiency or an allergy or an infection or a blood sugar instability could actually um, affect mood and behavior and cognitive functioning and executive functioning. Um, it's a it's a pretty new way of of understanding things, but it's it's catching on quickly. So I'm just curious: Are there any common challenges among your clients when people come to you? Like, what is the, the number one thing or or one thing that you see typically creates challenge when parents are trying to make these changes in their families? Um. I think not having both parents on board is a big one. 
And I've actually, it's, it was such a big thing that I, I created a script that people can actually download and just some ideas. Cause often it's one of the parents will, will engage with me and, and, you know, learn about this and start to feel really secure and confident in the idea that when you nourish the body, you also support the brain. Um, and then they present it to their, their parenting partner and that person is, is not on board. And so there's a reframing of things that has to happen. There's a, there's a conversation that happens, has to happen there. Otherwise it's just not going to translate to the kids. So that's, that's a big challenge. Mm -hmm. And then the second challenge is not having their kids on board. So that's like the picky eaters or the uh, aggressive, you know, kids who will be combative about it. And, you know, they're not, they're naturally like that anyway, because they're highly anxious kids or, have that sort of aggressive edge to them. And so getting them to actually make different decisions is, is, is a second stumbling block. But I, I guess what I stress to parents is that these are all behaviors that can be worked through and it's worth working through them, but you sort of have to have that confidence that it's worth doing this, you know, because it is challenging is there's no two ways about it. <laughs> it's yeah, it's yeah. challenging. Right. But it's a challenge worth taking on, absolutely, because the, the changes that I see in kids and in, in families are, are quite profound. When you start to see, you know, the obsessive behaviors uh, often will, will resolve, sleep gets better, so everybody in the house is sleeping better, anxieties reduce, so transitions become easier, conversations become easier, relationships become closer. It, it's really quite a transformation. That all sounds wonderful. <laughs> yes. Um, so you recently wrote a book called um, Raising Resilience, Take the Stress Out of Feeding Your Family and Love Your Life. Can you just take a few minutes to tell us about the book and what listeners could find inside? Yeah, it's, it's, um, I wrote it a couple of years ago, and it, it was really a compilation of all that I had learned over about a 10-year period, having worked clinically as a nutritionist but also just reading the literature and going to conferences and, and learning from doctors and nutritionists and therapists, I, I, I felt myself saying the same things over and over and over, like the basics of we need to clean up, we need to build. There were really some basic things that needed to be addressed in order to raise the resilience of the body. And I was noticing, you know, there's a lot of conversation about resilient kids, but the idea that nutrients and uh, what we eat and how we eat had any impact on resilience wasn't really being talked about that much. Um, so this idea of stress tolerance started forming in my mind that the idea that we manage our stress using nutrients quite literally, you know, in part, I mean, there's other things we can do to manage stress as well. Um, but if we don't have hormones and neurotransmitters functioning, which are all built out of nutrients, then we don't handle our stress very well. So the book kind of outlines that. What are some of the biggest biological stressors, the stressors in our bodies that are adding to our stress loads? So things like yeast and blood sugar instability and the gut-brain connection is all talked about in there. And then what are some of the strategies, concrete strategies that we can do to bring more nourishment into our kids' lives so that we improve their stress tolerance? So that's what the book is about. Well, and you also just, you know, listeners, I'll, ha I'll have a link to Jess's book on the show notes for this page, but also 
Your website is just chock full of, you know, wonderful information. You have a very, you know, a blog that you've been keeping for a while with great content. You have a lot of resources. So um, you have a whole section on autism and ADHD, which I know is something that our listeners are going to want to check out. So as a way to kind of wrap up, can you just tell listeners where they can find you? And if they're going to go to your website, do you have any favorite resources they should tap into? Yeah, I mean, I've got I've got a lot of resources on there, because I, I, I just feel so passionately that this is foundational. This is, you know, if you can get this piece, in place, then all the other therapies and and um, work that you do to help your kids, whether it's educational or medical, even it just it works better. It just works faster, and it works better once the building blocks are in place. Um, so I've got a lot of information resources on there, which is just straight up information, and then I've got coaching resources as well, where I actually walk walk people through it. The um, the most intense of those is called my resilience roadmap which is walking parents through three months of just, okay, like reframing how you're going to deal with food in your life, feeding and, and, and food nourishing really. Um, and I, I, I really feel like it's one of a kind because the focus is very much on nourishment and the focus is on connection. Like we have to make these diet changes with connection front of mind. You know, I feel like connection with our kids between our kids and ourselves was also with our kids and their food. Like that's a relationship that has to <laughs> remain intact as well. Right. Mm-hmm. So it, that I feel very strongly about that, that when we're dealing, dealing with kids is very different from, um, you know, trying to change the health of yourself or your spouse. We're, we're working with kids. So it's very specific. Um, so all of that is at my website, which is justsherman.com. And I'm, I'm, con- I'm constantly trying, like I say, to curate this for people because I know it's overwhelming, but there are some real broad spectrum, broad strokes, so maybe we could link to some of the specific blog posts that outline those broad strokes of where to start and how to start conceptualizing this project. Yeah, that sounds great. So you can share those with me and listeners. I will include all those on the show notes page. And I'm already thinking I just need to have you back on the show for a follow up. And I, I may just reach out to the community and curate some questions because I think you're your approach to this conversation is really in alignment with Tilt and with our community. So I just want to say thank you so much for sharing with us today and for doing this work. And I'm the teaching profession lost somebody, but um, <laughs> but it's great that you're doing this really important work for, for all families. So thank you so much. Well, thank you so much, Debbie. You know, what's so interesting is that the, the teaching community is now reaching out to me more, which is very cool because they see this in the classroom, right? They see, okay, we're in the business of, of helping kids develop into their best selves. And so we need to know a little something about nourishment. And um, so I'm actually starting to do a little bit more work with teachers, which is really, really fun, really fun to get back to my roots. So thank you so much for having me, Debbie. I really, I do resonate with this whole concept of just tilting your perspective. I love how you talk about that. Tilt your, tilt your perspective a little bit, and then things become a bit easier, a little bit less overwhelming. So Thank you for doing what you do. Oh, thank you so much. You've been listening to the Tilt Parenting Podcast. For the show notes for this episode, visit tiltparenting.com slash podcast and search for this conversation. If you like what you heard on today's episode, I would be grateful if you could take a minute to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating or a review. 
Thank you so much for helping us stay visible so people who would benefit from the show can easily find it. If you want to support the show and help me cover the cost of production, please consider joining my Patreon campaign. To support the show, just visit patreon.com slash tilt parenting. Lastly, if you aren't already part of the online community at Tilt, I invite you to sign up at tiltparenting.com on the box in the bottom where it says join the revolution. Every Thursday, I send out a short email with a quick note from me, a link to that week's podcast episode, and links to five stories from the news that week that are relevant to parents like us. Again, you can sign up and learn more about Tilt at www.tiltparenting.com. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model. So that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt-free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Guilt Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows.